Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Jim Colantoni. Woo, that's a tough one. Those Italian names are tough. But Jim came on to tell us about his company, Puro Lighting, and their disinfection. And there's some technology stuff in here that you're going to find super interesting, Mr. Lighting Listener. So I give Jim a shot here in about a minute or so before we get into that. We've got to talk about the, the, the retrofit kings, the lighting kings now, of light made easy. Keystone Technologies. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com, Greg. KeystoneTech.com. Yeah, in today's podcast, you're going to hear more about it, something innovative that a lighting company came up with in UV lighting. And when you talk innovative, that's Keystone, man. They're always coming up with innovative product. They're always looking at what the market needs and filling those needs with the product that makes sense at the right price, at the right service, at the right quality, everything you can ask for. Check they do their out. research, man. I mean, I would say Keystone is the best at market research, the best of any of any of the major lighting vendors to distributors out there. They really, they really craft products. Come out early. They've won. How many times have they won product of the year at Nailed? Like three years in a row or something like that. Just about, yeah. Every yeah, year, almost. every year almost. They are just so hot with their new products, and you got to go to KeystoneTech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Light made easy. The retrofit kings, the kings of innovation and lighting. Come on, KeystoneTech.com. But for right now, talking about UV, hot topic on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Jim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. Say hi to Greg Eric. Greg, how you doing? Good, Jim. Thanks for being on. Definitely. We have, a, yeah, we have a hot topic today here. Ooh. UV lighting. That's something I see in just about every industry publication, newsletter, website that's going on right now. It's all the buzz, isn't it? It, it certainly is. It's uh, something we thought was hot before um, all this happened, but now, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of education for everybody in the field right now. When did, so you guys are Puro Lighting, part of, are you part of LED Supply Company? Uh, no, we're not. We're a completely separate entity. Okay. And when did you guys start? Uh, we founded the business in January of 19. 2019. What, what caused you to start it? Uh, so we had the ability to, uh, you know, it sort of started with a, a, a relationship with Violet Defense, who is our technology partner. We had the ability to take their products to market uh, in the commercial industrial segment uh, in the United States and Canada. And so Brian Webb, myself, uh, and a fourth co-founder who's no longer with the company, Jonathan Hapeman, uh, we, we got together and we really walked through uh, the technology. We walked through the applications. We walked through what else in the healthcare market is going to be important longer term, right? So we saw really a need in the marketplace to address healthcare and, you know, not just using UV for disinfection, but using other types of lighting technologies that are coming and really bringing that out to the healthcare uh, market specifically or some sort of wellness around it. So we built the brand around that and the Violet Defense technology was a, a key component of that at the beginning. And what it's turned into is that is the key component for us right now and probably will be for the time being. Um, I think that we you know, will definitely still engage in other healthcare segments at some point or wellness-driven segments at some point, but that's really where the focus is today. Did you ever envision a demand like you have right now for it? Um, 
I thought it could be big. I'll tell you that. I, I always thought it could be big. I think all of us did. Um, we, but we definitely uh, didn't expect it to do this. You know, nobody wanted anything like this to happen to the world. Um, but we didn't expect to, to be getting, you know, every major, uh, distributor in the market, every, every major partner that's out there. And, and it's not just from the lighting industry, right? We have HVAC, uh, you know, distributors and reps calling us every single day, medical device reps calling us every single day. So it's a lot. That's right. What's it, you know, what? just to maybe go a step above to come back down to puro and disinfection for a second here, what really blows my mind and what sort of this podcast has tracked in it. And I think it's tracking it not in real time, but as it happens, is that a safe way to put it guys, as it happens is that mm-hmm. lighting is becoming an integral part of XXX, whatever that is, rather than simply something that's illuminating and providing the light to do something. And I think that's fascinating. Like it's almost the, there's a frontier here in science. There's a frontier and that frontier. One of the, one of the frontiers is using very specific dialed in nanometers of light to kill viruses and bacteria and other things like that. Another one is using very specific lighting frequencies and lighting systems to improve human health outcomes or manipulate circadian rhythms so people can sleep better and these sorts of things. We are on the threshold of this. Jim, and what is it that do you guys feel that the Puro fixture is safe as a deployed technology for general use lighting applications? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, The fixtures are designed specifically to be able to use in these applications. We actually, uh, you know, we talk about you talk about being on the frontier. I think this technology has been vetted for 140 years. Um, you know, in general, ultraviolet light has been studied. Uh, there's been hundreds of millions of dollars that's gone into the research for years. So we don't think the technology itself uh, has any limitations or any anything that new. But what we do think that's happening is is what you're talking about. Is it's sort of the connection of all these things, right? The digital the digital world that we live in today. You know, having better controls of these systems, I think, is important. Uh, that's what allows us to do it a little bit more safely. Um, and then I think, you know, you talked about the frontier that lighting presents. So, I mean, my background was in the IoT world as well, right? So uh, I do think lighting is going to be very connected into all these things that we're doing. And it happens to be that we've got a, a really great device that help and helps people with the disinfection of spaces. And again, if we can build a more robust system around the, the digital world within that, it's just going to get stronger and better and more and more safe along the way. So people can actually work in the in in the environment and not not to make this sound like an advertorial because i i think it's a great product but i want to reposition that question your claim if that's safer is that this fixture can be deployed in a general lighting application as um an accessory which will disinf will help in a disin a larger disinfecting infection strategy for that that space or that building or whatever Hundred percent correct. Yeah. So, in terms of that larger part of the strategy, that's what we believe in. Now, we do not recommend anybody uses actually any ultraviolet light for disinfection at this time, um, while people are in the space, right? And I'm sure we can talk about that more in detail. But 
There's other technologies that are claiming to be safe that are UV specifically. We don't think there's enough research that's gone into that to say that that's safe. Um, and we can go into more detail. Obviously, there's the 405 nanometer technology that's outside of the UV range. That we do think is perfectly fine to use in the space, but it's a limited technology into terms of what it can actually do in those spaces. So you guys, are your light is a UV light, though? Maybe I'm not hearing it right. Yours yeah, correct. Yeah. Our light is UV. So we do not okay. recommend it in the space while our units are operating. It's UVC, so it's producing that kind of light that the ozone layer protects us from. It's actually UVC, UVB, and UVA. So how does it does it does the fixture itself recognize when there's human occupancy and turn itself off? It does. Yeah. So each fixture has uh, what we call a reverse occupancy sensor on there. So every single fixture is either going to sense there's people in the space, or it's going to sense that people have moved into the space, and it'll turn itself off or not turn on in the first place. Does it purify the air between the objects that it lights up and disinfects, or is that the air a different situation? It'll disinfect the air as well, yes. And But it's not safe for humans to be under this light? Correct. And how many, like let's say you have a general office space, do you guys have a square footage at height? Per, like, you know, even occupancy sensor on a fixture. And it says mm -hmm. at this height, you'll have this much range of um, uh, coverage or what have you. Um, does it have those kind of metrics that at eight feet, you need, it'll cover 20 feet of space or something like that? Yeah. So basically the, the coverage of the sensor is going to be about 40 foot in all directions. So it's going to get a, and, and really the UV light is going to lose that effectiveness once you get past a certain distance anyway. So really once you start getting to 20, 25 feet, um, I still wouldn't say it's safe, but it's much safer. So within that 40 foot range, uh, it's going to be okay if somebody, you know, just sees a bright flash of our light. Um, it's going to be annoying more than anything else. So we also do envision and we do have our agents right now are designing this into building management systems as well. So that's what the product's designed to go into. Um, so I can, you know, I can get on that building management system. I can use external sensors to turn off entire areas at the same time. Um, so, for instance, we have an acuity agent that's working with in-light air specifically to uh, wirelessly control all these spaces to make sure that that whole group in an office setting is going to turn off. You have a business principle where market demand, um, you know, kind of governs uh, what businesses do. Okay. So, for example, somebody wants to order a thousand Puro light fixtures. That's great news for you guys, right? And what they do with them is kind of up to them. They're, here's the cut sheet. Here's how the fixture works and so on. I want to ask you something that, um, you know, right now, let's call it peak panic time. Paranoia is everywhere. Okay. Do you think that this technology should be used in general lighting applications? Do you think it's something that's necessary? Or do you think that right now it's driven, you know, that most applications don't require disinfection and that... In fact, we're, we're living in a world of you know paranoia and panic that's going to subside, and that maybe. I think. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think that um, it makes a lot of sense in general illumination applications, right? And, and again, we're not generally illuminating the space. We're not providing any of that. We're just providing the disinfection light. Um, but I think in a general building environment, it makes sense. Um, I guess the question could be: How often do you need to disinfect, though? Do you need to mm -hmm. do it every single day? Um, you know, could you run the units every third day? 
Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of science and math that needs to go into that. I think in the healthcare environments, there's no question that this could be, could and should be used every single day. And I do think, especially coming out of a pandemic like this or in the event of a pandemic like this, right? And even let's just say the flu next season, right? Which this is going to be a weird flu season where we have both COVID and we have the flu potentially. Um, in an environment like that, I want to be able to disinfect as often as I possibly can in those environments. So having it built into the system to do that to where I can control it and I can adjust it, um, that's, I, I think, vital to a lot of buildings moving forward. Do you see a, um, a time when this is actually specified into building codes? I don't know like if we're going to get there. You have a fire extinguisher on the wall? And you have your disinfection light fixture over here per you need this many. Like right now I'm looking up and in my studio, I actually had to put in uh, a special kind of um, fire sprinkler head because I had soundproofed everything. And so you need a certain amount of sprinkler heads in every room. You need a fire extinguisher. And the inspector comes around once every couple of years. You get yourself a $750 fine or you got to do some work or whatever, you see this this kind of thing added to building codes or to that sort of thing. I think where I hope that we see it is more in the well-building codes, mm-hmm. um, well-building standards. I think that's probably the space that it makes a lot of sense in. They already talked about indoor air quality specifically. Um, so I think looking at specific types of disinfection lighting makes sense. And I think, you know, the 405 nanometer technology, for example, it doesn't, you know, it's it's not going to inactivate a virus. Um, I think they're they're all pretty clear about that. Most of the technologies are UVA is not going to inactivate a virus either. Um, so, but I still think they're they're positives to that technology as well being built into these spaces. What are the positives so, of those? Yeah. I mean, the positive is I can disinfect bacteria over time. Right. I mean, it takes a much longer period of time for UVA or four or five nanometer to accomplish uh, the disinfection of bacteria specifically. But I think that that's still positive that it can be done over time. I think ultimately, longer term, if you could take four or five nanometer and you can marry it with actual UV and the UV was more intermittent and you had four or five at the same time uh, throughout the day, right? In a continuous mode, I think that's beneficial. I do think the, the one big negative that not a lot of people talk about is the, the energy story on a four or five nanometer fixture is pretty poor. Um, you know, they're higher wattage LED fixtures and they really need to be on 24 seven to accomplish uh, the disinfection that you're looking for. So I, I think that that's something that people forget. They just see LED fixtures. So they think energy efficient, but mm. it's really, it's not an energy efficient application. Hmm. So I think there's some improvements that'll come. And again, I think it's the mixture of these technologies that make a lot of sense. Hmm. So you talked about the potential of it being automated, but how are the majority of the users doing it now? I would assume it's a manual switch on the wall that they control when they want that light to work, or how do they do it? So the majority of our customers today are using the built-in controls on the system. So we can plug into a building management system, or we can just use simple onboard controls for scheduling the units or using them on demand or even using them in, in what, what's called an automatic mode. So there's a few different modes that can be used. So in an operating room, for example, right now, they're using the large disinfection, quote unquote, robots that are in the market. Um, they're really just big, giant UV push carts that are very expensive, and they're highly effective, by the way. Uh, they roll those carts into the room. They disinfect the room. If you look at a, a large hospital system, let's just say they have 60 ORs, 
and they have even multiple of those push carts. They go from room to room to room to disinfect them. It takes them weeks to disinfect each OR individually uh, because there's only you know three, four hours at night that that can be done. So versus if you have these installed in the ceiling, I can disinfect all 60 ORs at the exact same time in two hours on a schedule. Hmm. So, and then you have the sensor to override it in case somebody happened to walk in the room while it was going on. And then That's does correct. it reset itself so that it, it still gets that two hours you need? Or does it time it and know that? So we have people uh, design it in with sort of a kill switch, right? So you can turn the units completely off if we need to get in there for, let's say, a trauma to actually do that surgery. Or, you know, let's just say somebody from the environmental services staff walks in. They, they don't realize that it's on, even though it's very bright light. So they're going to realize pretty quick. Uh, it's going to turn off the units and then it's going to have a preset timeout time before it then goes back into where it left off on the cycle and continue that that whole cycle. So I know a little bit, but how does it, it's a flashing light and does it flash every couple seconds or is it, how does that work? Yeah. So it's a pulse xenon light source. Uh, so uh, it, pulse xenon has been around for a long time. It's been around since the sixties. Um, it's been used for signal bulbs and flash bulbs in the past, um, but it's a, a very bright, uh, broad spectrum light source. And so uh, the way that ours is designed specifically, it's, it's going to give you a pulse every six seconds. Um, and it's a two to three millisecond microburst of energy. And you do that for two hours is, is typical? Two hours, I would say in like an operating room environment, right? So in a lot of healthcare environments, that's where you're going to get really effective kills on things like C. diff, uh, candida auris, really hard to kill pathogens. Um, things like MRSA, um, you know, easier to kill pathogens really take us more like 30 to 40 minutes uh, to get that really deep disinfection. So that's about the shortest you can do. You need a, a minimum of 30 minutes. And depends on depends on the space. So it's all about yeah. it's all about total square footage, total time, distance from what we're trying to disinfect. Um, so, you know, a small bathroom could be done in, in 15 minutes. Um, a, a really tight environment could be done in five minutes. Uh, it just really depends Why on Xenon? the space. Why Xenon over uh, LED? So, yeah, so I mean, so LED doesn't really work yet to, today in terms of total disinfection of a space. Um, I can disinfect my cell phone or my computer from a couple inches away with a UVC LED. Um, but, you know, a lot of the stuff that's coming out of China right now, especially I'm, I'm sure you guys have both probably read the IES reports on UV wands and things like that. They're calling it UV light, but it's really probably UVA, which is a very efficient source of LED because it's so close of UV LED because it's so close to blue LEDs. Um, but the UVC LEDs are very inefficient today. Um, we have all the intentions to move to that technology when it's ready, but it's probably a solid three to four years away from the efficiency being ready to deploy it for whole rooms. Do you think people will that get these fixtures now will retrofit to LED in the future? 100%. Is there, what kind of energy does it use for per fixture right now? And what do you, is it similar to lighting? Like a 100 watt xenon will become a 30 watt LED or whatever it might be. So right now, if I wanted to do what we do, so our fixtures are sort of like we have two main fixtures. One's like a 100 watt light bulb. Um, one's like a 40 watt light bulb. Um, but now the the burst of energy and the the actual on times are pretty low, right? So our energy consumption is pretty low right now. So versus even the 405 nanometer fixtures were more efficient in terms of an energy reduction perspective, um, especially when you look at the fact to design an OR with a 405 nanometer fixture, I probably need 15 fixtures or so, somewhere in that range, depending on the size of the OR with 405 nanometers, we really need two or three of our fixtures to do that same space. 
um, and get a much higher reduction in, in pathogens overall. Um, in terms of LED, to do, yeah. let's say to, to do that in a UVC LED right now, it would be very tough to even disinfect that room. But one fixture would probably be four or 500 watts to give you an idea. It'd be a very uh, high consumption uh, LED product. And it would only be about 8,000 hours of life. So the xenon is the energy efficient alternative to LED in this case? Absolutely. Right now. Yeah, it's just like T5s were 15 years ago. T5s made more sense still than, than LEDs did at that point. Nice. And you guys have, uh, you have portable and you have ceiling. When, when do you use either application or how, why do you choose between the two? So we think our niche is ceiling. Um, there's, there's other pulse xenon sources that are out there, especially in the mobile world. Uh, but we really think that our niche is the ceiling. Uh, but because the ceiling units are so much less expensive than the products that are on the market in the medical space for um, for mobile use, uh, we sell a lot of our mobile units as well, especially right now with COVID. It's a much easier and faster uh, way to deploy it. And you can get more UV into more spaces doing that. Um, but from a long-term investment perspective, we think the ceiling makes more sense. So have, where have you guys seen... Uh, the most success what, as a lighting distributor. What kind of applications or businesses are you selling these most often to? Um, so, I mean, the most common application is still going to be healthcare, without a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I will tell you, commercial office spaces, especially very large commercial office spaces, large companies, you know, Fortune five hundreds that are really concerned about not only customers that might be coming into their space, but really their employees. Um, there's a big concern about we need to protect our employees. We need them to feel safe when they come back into the, their spaces. Um, so there's a, a lot of that going on, especially in New York City, you know, Los Angeles, Atlanta, the big the big hubs. That's where we're seeing these these large high rises really trying to take care of their customers. But then I can tell you, large industrials are thinking the same thing. Um, you know, they want to disinfect tools all day long. They want to disinfect bathrooms and cafeterias, sort of the high touch areas throughout those spaces. Um, so that's are you those are some in, of the yeah, in, in schools or universities, anything like that, in terms of classrooms or locker rooms or whatever it might be, gymnasiums. Yeah, so I think uh, that you know, sports has been one of the main targets for us since we started the company. Um, you know, I'll be at a NFL team stadium on uh, on Friday, so tomorrow. Um, that'll be my first trip out of the house since this really started. Um, which has been nice in some respects. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we haven't heard a kid scream yet, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so we think, you know, locker rooms and, and those types of areas are key before just with the MRSA issues that already existed. And now with COVID, I think there's a, a much bigger need and desire to be able to disinfect spaces on demand whenever they can. Um, my, my son, for example, is going into first grade. Um, and they just told us, you know, plan on 50% of the class in on Monday, the other 50% on the class on, in on Tuesday. And then we might have whole weeks where we just shut down the school. Just go ahead and plan on that for the entire next school year. Oh, well, it's going to be different. And so you're seeing, uh, you guys are seeing a lot of interest in this. Are you, are the sales translating? I assume you're getting sales, but is it, is it all interest? And a lot of people are backing off once they see pricing. I know it's expensive, but. What are you saying? Yeah, I think, I, I think, you know, we have, I have probably 20 dentists that call us a day right now. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just came out. Um, there was a report that came out that said dental hygienists and dentists are at the most risk of anybody in the country as things open back up. It came out of OSHA's. OSHA did a study. And you can imagine they're in people's mouths all day long. So from a airborne pathogen perspective, it's uh, it's going to be risky. And so we're talking to dentists and primary care physicians and all these spaces every single day. I think they're a little uh, struck by the pricing, right? What it's going to cost them to protect these spaces, especially when they haven't made any money for uh, the past, you know, the past uh, three months, really. Um, you know, my sister's an orthopedic surgeon and she's, you know, their, their business is, is not good right now. Right. I mean, they're, they're still working on traumas and things like that, but it's been painful for a lot of doctors out there in uh, these types of settings. Right. All right. So, um, that was a good run. The two of you guys there are going good. Um, Trying to figure out how to sell these things. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Uh, I have a little, I have a theory that I've sort of created over the, um, I don't know if you're going to like it, but, um, it's, uh, it has to do. So it has to do with my observation of interventions and social science. So this is not a social science intervention, but it's, driven by a social phenomenon, okay? Um, And that is that whatever solution to a social problem becomes the next problem, okay? So you have like uh, the emergence in the 1960s and 70s of the um, increasing shareholder value as the only guide to running a business, right? Um, you have the, uh, the four, there's all kinds of them. I, I don't want to say any, cause if you just unpack one quickly, people might get mad at you cause they don't understand what you're referring to. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Like you got to be careful when you say like, you know, uh, you know, th- this is a problem and they're like, what are you talking about? That's a problem. It, it's actually a problem now. But anyway, um, so are we creating superbugs? Like, are we going to create a class of bacteria and virus that are resistant to the sun? So, so I'm not a scientist, right? So I don't want to claim that I'm a scientist. Sure. I can just claim on the, the data that I've seen sure. and the studies that I've read, which basically say, you know, we've had uh, we've had the sun and we've had UV pounding down on this earth for however long you believe the earth has been around. Uh, so likely billions of years, but I know some people believe it's been here for shorter periods of time. Um, but the sun and these UV rays have been pounding down for that long. And over time, we haven't had the, we have not had the resistance that's built by these pathogens. They just don't have the mechanisms to adapt to that. Now, it's not to say that they can't in the future. I can tell you, uh, most of the studies have shown that they're not going to adapt to that. And so specifically, it's because the UV is really hitting that DNA and that RNA, and it's not allowing them to replicate to then learn how to adapt and change in, in the future. Now except that is a, a thing, lot of the except for one thing, and that is the ozone layer blocks all the UVC light. So it blocks it blocks about ninety five percent of it. Right. Yes. So now now we're what we're doing. So like antibiotics become the problem, right? So now yep. the problem is antibiotics. It's not bacteria anymore. It's that bacteria has developed resistance to antibiotics, and now these these bugs are more powerful than they were before. Um, the the deployment of UVC as a general use bodes ominously, I would say, for 
for in terms of what we know about how pathogens evolve and how quickly they evolve. Um, in our own, in our own, I mean, the antibiotics came out in what the 1950s, 50s, something yeah, like that. 1940s, yeah. Right. So within within 70 years, we're seeing the emergence of staph bacteria, which is resistant to antibiotics. All the antibiotics so, that we have. Yeah, I mean, actually, within two years, they knew that uh, there was resistance to penicillin. So I mean, it, it it didn't it it didn't take that long, and. The newest antibiotics that we're introducing, they know that within within again at least years, but more more than likely faster than that, they are adapting. There's no question about it. From what I have seen, they have not seen that in the UV space because of the way UV UV reacts uh, with these pathogens. Um, so, I again, I'm not a scientist, so I don't even want to okay. begin to broach this subject because I don't know enough about it. Sure. But I will tell you that uh, what I've read is we don't have that risk. Not to say that it doesn't exist. So I, I think it's a very valid point, and I think it's something that will probably be discussed in a lot more detail in the future. One of the things that I I also um, as I you know we get into this this term integrative lighting, and we get in healthy lighting and circadian friendly lighting, and these different sort of buzzwords that don't really have a defined meaning. You understand what I mean? Yeah. It, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like a buzzword. And, and then what happens is, you know, uh, one of the sales reps at premier lighting swings from the trees with a knife in his teeth, you know what I mean? And goes and makes sales based on these buzzwords that have no meaning. You understand what I mean? So we have to be careful, um, of that. But in that, that being said, um, are we, you know, the idea that what I've seen is that the evolution of these ideas, like for example, oh, you need to wear sunglasses and put on lots of sunscreen. Because the sun is bad for you. No, actually, what we need to do is go outside more and get more light in our eyes so that we can have vitamin D. And then, oh, now we're going to create the same thing cycle as the sun inside. So what is it? Is it sunglasses and sunscreen or do I need more sunlight, right? So it's one of these catchphrases, one of these things that kind of, it turns things on their head and becomes very confusing. Um, how can we, so my question is, how can we get as an industry, the IES came out with that great report. But how as an industry can we all get on the same page to tell the customer what's up with this? What would you suggest? I think we have too many people in this industry uh, that are on too many ends of the spectrum. You have people that, including manufacturers and including distributors, including contractors, um, you know, it's, it was the, are, you are UV or are T8 tubes good or are they not good? Should we be fixtures or should we not be fixtures? Um, you know, network lighting controls or simple controls. You know, it's, we have people on so many far ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, technically, uh, UV devices are regulated by the EPA. Um, how many people are making light fixtures right now with germicidal tubes inside of them um, that have no efficacy results? Um, they have no data on what they actually do. They send you, you know, the, the germicidal lamps data itself from a six inch test that they took, not actually testing the fixture and the efficacy of that fixture. Um, so I, I think you have, and people are buying it like crazy, by the way. Um, sure. so of I course. think, I think, I think you've got, I had somebody ask me in New York city today, can I just put these in the, in my existing light fixtures? How does that work? Yeah. Um, do I need to change anything? Um, so there's so much misinformation out you know there. How crazy and that's that why, is? Like, do you know how crazy that is? I, like, I, yeah, had a, I, 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 oh, you know, I got <laughs> a, a G40 T8 tube here that's uvc and it runs on a t8 ballast it does run on a t8 ballast okay yeah can i can i just put these into my two by four troffers like oh dude it's just like 
this is the this is the problem when this is I don't know how to this industry needs leadership big time and it doesn't have it right now. Well, but I, I I think it does have it. I just don't think certain people care. It's been an industry that has not been that difficult to get into for you know quite a while. Mm, I mean, even 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 though a lot of us, um, you know, I, I I usually don't like to claim my father, but my father was in the industry for thirty years. We I accidentally got into the industry. Still, I didn't even know what my dad did, and I got into the industry on accident. He he said, "Did you tell them thanks, but no thanks?" He had just retired six months earlier. Hmm. He said, "Don't go into lighting. You'll be stuck there forever." Um, and I tried to sort of inch my way out. I I tried to inch my way out into this medical device slash lighting world, but we still, we, we see the value of agents. We see the value of distributors. We see the value of contractors. The whole, the whole, uh, channel works really well, but you are very correct. We want to be at least thought leaders. And that's why I'm going to tell you, I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to just blurt information out that I'm not hundred percent confident. in. I want to be the smartest person in the room about what I do. But at the same time, there's a lot smarter people than me out there. There's no question. Um, and so I think we just, sometimes I think our industry needs to pause and think. I think, um, you know, I think rather than just say no or go the path of least resistance, or, or I'm sorry, say yes or go the path of least resistance, we should say no or let me get back to you. Um, it's the best slide I ever saw in a sales training as one of one of the guys that I worked with, um, he he works for Siemens now. Uh, you know, hopefully he'll watch this and he'll get a kick out of it. Best slide I've ever seen in an account management or a sales training. It said, "Shut up, just shut up. Like let let the customer talk. You know, and don't just say yes to everything." That's the number one comment on YouTube to this show. Michael, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of that, I got a question. Shut up. No, <laughs> is this a sale? Uh, you know, UVC lighting that the average distributor should attempt to do or should they always go to a manufacturer of it? And because you mentioned you're going to an NFL stadium or whatever, let's say I had a connection at a stadium. Should I go try that or should I be contacting you to get in there for on my behalf? I mean, I'm, I'm selfish and I want you to include me because I think I, I know the technology really well. So I would tell you, you should, you should talk to somebody who at least, at least for the past 16 months, I've talked to nothing but this. Um, yeah, and I'm not I've comfortable had doing it. I'm just saying the average distributor should, I think people are out there attempting it, but I'm not comfortable. What should they do? They should go to people like you is what you're saying. We tell all of our agents and our distributors, we will gladly be on the phone call with any of your customers that you want. Um, You you have to trust us as partners to be in there with you to sell this product. Um, I I have people ask me all the time, why do you, why do you guys sell it better than us? Aside from the fact that I know a little bit better, why do you sell it better than us? It's because I know how to sell this product and this is what I'm, you know, not only just sell it, but I know how to, to actually know the technology and talk to somebody about it and not feel like I'm pushing them into something that they shouldn't have. I, I talked to a large retailer the other day who they wanted to use UV wands on things, right? Again, we go back to this UV wand conversation. They want to disinfect their very, very highly expensive clothing with UV wands all day Ooh, from China. Good, good luck. That cost, yeah, that cost $40, $40 from China. That was That was the goal. Um, it's not going to work. Um, and even if it does work, what are you, are you damaging the materials on your, on your clothing? You know, you just don't know. Um, so I, I just want to approach this from a consultative approach, uh, help, help distributors go sell this, help contractors sell this. This is a, a definitely a viable option to not only help people right now, people need help, but there's a lot of people out of work right now in our industry too. So this is something that can put people back to work. 
Um, you know, I talked to a lot of contractors that are offering this as a service, offer disinfection as a service using our mobile devices right now. You know, if you don't have the electrical work, go, go do this, offer this to your customers. Not a bad idea. I think it's um, an interesting combination with lighting controls. Right. So you go in and you say uh, UV disinfection with lighting controls, and that's what the lighting industry can do for you right now to reduce transmission and to help with the disinfection process. Jim, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, We really appreciate you taking the time. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what to say here in terms of closing it out. Do you have any final thoughts for distributors and people in the industry listening to this? No, I appreciate the time. Uh, You know, again, I don't, I don't like to get on these calls and make sales pitches either. Right. I I want to be informative and helpful. Um, You know, please reach out to us if we can help you in in all these processes and to figure out uh, what's the best route for your customers to to take in this world. I'll tell you, I think there are applications that make sense for 405. I think there are applications that make sense for some of that technology. So I'm going to hopefully, hopefully we've got some customers that are interested in hearing sort of the whole story. You got to I just made an acquisition of a company that sells specialty lamps. Okay. That's a long story for another show or whatever you want to talk about. But he brought me all these catalogs. Okay. And I found this, this catalog from Phillips and maybe Scott can put it up for the listeners later. It says printed in 1977. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry. First printing was 1980, 60, uh, no, 1967. And then reprinted in 1980 and then 1987. Okay. And it's disinfection by UV radiation. Okay. And it's a manual. Okay. That if you go through, puts all the different kinds of lamps that Phillips sells and then starts to describe very, very particularly how they're used in various applications. Okay. And you start flipping through this. This book is very useful. Now, maybe not in 2020, but, you know, the way it lays it all out. And and uh, I think I'm going to do another show with Greg after this on this because I have a good idea. But this is the kind of inf- leadership the industry used to have. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Like, like this is pure 100%. We're a huge company. We got lots of money. And these scientists are going to sit around for a year and come up with a book to guide everybody. They got pictures of surgical rooms in here. All sorts does it of talk stuff. About, does it talk about controls on those surgical rooms? Uh, I mean, you're going back a long time here. Hospitals, wards, clinics, waiting rooms, da 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 Yeah, I mean, I haven't read the whole thing, but I was just flipping through. Because I, I talked to probably the smartest guy I've talked to in a, a long time uh, yesterday. Um, he's the, he's the chancellor or CEO or something of a, a large medical school. Um, so he's over three hospitals as well. And he's got an MBA, just a brilliant guy. And I could tell the second we got on the phone, he's brilliant and still a super nice guy at the same time. He was talking about, do you know what they were doing in the 1930s in ORs? They were wearing hats, right? Blocking the surgeon's eyes from the UV lights that they put into these. And that's what before antibiotics. So that's how they were trying to stop the spread of infection mm, at that know. time. So, but they were living in the space with UVC lights over their head. So, you know, I think part of this is we just have to learn from it. We're going to constantly be learning, but I do think that's some of the risk of things like far UVC, right? Where we're not quite sure that it's fully safe yet. Uh, We've got a lot of data that says it's safe. And I think 
we personally want it to be safe so we can start putting it into our fixtures as well. Um, but there's some risk there. How fast do we jump in and start selling and selling things that are, they are UBC. I'll tell you, um, some guys will listen to this and they'll be swinging from the trees with a knife in their teeth right after. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, man, it's, it's, that's what we need. Yeah. We need. We need to get some leadership, but we'll cut it there, Jim. Uh, thanks for being a guest and, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get, let's add this stuff to our line cards in a smart way using experts, folks. I appreciate the time today, guys. Thanks. Keystone Technologies. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com, man. That's KeystoneTech.com, Greg. That's right. All the innovative product you can need and want in LED lighting, they have. Uh, fixtures, bulbs, retrofit kits. They're coming out with new stuff all the time. They're coming out with outdoor lights. They came out with general purpose A lamps, PAR lamps, R lamps. So basically, when you need lighting, you can go to Keystone now. They Make got it, it all. Easy. Make it easy, bro. Well, go to KeystoneTech.com. Keystone Tech. That's right. And of course, Jim Calantoni, Pure Lighting. Hey, talking UV light. Xenon, bro. Xenon and doing practical applications of it is what I always like. I want to be able to sell this stuff. I don't want to just talk about it anymore. I want to make some money on this thing and sell it, right? Mm. As a lighting distributor, and you guys should as well. So learn about it. Get after it if it makes sense for you. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, I've sold actually quite a few UV jobs in the last month and a half. Not quite a few, but some big ones. And it's interesting because we know about sockets. We know about lamps. It's just a matter of what this lamp does versus the other lamp. And this one's not about illumination. That's all the only difference is it's not about illumination. Everything else is very, very similar, lighting distributor. Very similar. Sockets, ballasts, drivers, um, tubes, uh, fixtures, stuff like that. It's pretty similar. It's a niche business right now. It's set to grow. So, yeah, I mean, it's up to you guys. But in the meantime, while you're selling the, all the stuff we usually sell, go to keystonetech.com. And thank you. Very grateful for my heart for listening. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. If you are lost, Lord is there to find you.